Well, recently we've been talking uh, for several weeks about the church, and uh, last Sunday we talked about one body, and I'd like to continue with that thought as well as we look at the church. We, we studied, there's many things. Uh, is it just one big universal church, or is it local independent churches with authority? And, of course, we have scriptures to uh, uphold that it is local individual churches, ecclesia, come from the first church and, and passed down uh, in this manner. Now, as we, get, as we go in glory, is it all independent? Well, we don't call it a church then. We have the bride. We have friends of the bride and so forth and, and, and so on, but we don't call it a church at that time. I don't believe it's proper to do that. Uh, so as we look now at the church, the individual church, um, we will look at the body of Arabia. We certainly we have concern about other bodies that we fellowship with, but uh, be talking about the body of Arabia. And I read something last week, and I want to read it again. It's a poem uh, from the 1600s, uh, John uh, Doney, I believe. And of course, this was that when he wrote the poem, it was more about uh, society in general. Uh, that you know we're all of mankind and everything. And of course, it certainly <laughs> uh, most people don't believe that today as we look at the natural things. But I want to take this and look at it as a body, as the body of Arabia. And, and this talks about, as we look at, he looked at it as a larger scope of things in a natural, uh, about an island and a piece of dirt falling off into the sea as, you know, the sea washes up, you know, and everything. And then you'll have some erosion. There'll be a big uh, landslide or a clog go down there. And that island is not quite what it was. This rolled off and that rolled off. And what he's saying is no man uh, is an island by ourself. And we look at the body that way. So let me, as I read this, he didn't have it in a religious sense, but I want us to look at it as the body of Arabia. And you can look at other bodies as well, but uh, the body of Arabia uh, and let me just read it. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were, as well as if a, a manner of thy friends or thine own were, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. And therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. So the custom was in, in some areas that if somebody would pass away, then it had the, the bell ringing. And you might say, well, you know, who died? And this is saying, well, that's for you. As we're looking, again, they were looking more uh, uh, as a mankind on the earth, which I wish the world did look at it that way. 
But as each is lost, it's a loss to you. Now, we apply that to the body of Christ. And one body and many members. And, and keep that in mind as we, as we go through this. So, uh, I believe the church, churches, that I'm considering uh, Arabia this morning, but the Lord's churches that he built is the most important thing upon the earth. And uh, I know everyone doesn't agree with that. And uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, it doesn't matter about the church. Uh, you can worship anywhere. Well, as far as a physical location, that's, that's true. But as far as a... Uh, as in a body and in a church, to say that the church has no value uh, is certainly not true. And I want to read in Acts chapter 20 to show you what a terrible thing it would say. Well, the church is not important. And in this building, again, is not the church. It's a place where this body uh, has chosen at this time to meet, and I'm grateful for this building that we have. But it is not the church. Uh, so Acts chapter 20, and well, let me read verse 17. Verse 17 says, And from uh, Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So Apostle Paul so he was calling for the elders of the church. He didn't call for, throughout the whole world, a particular church or a particular body. Now, as far as the importance of the church, look at verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and unto all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. To say that there's no importance of the church today, what is that saying? Well, Claire May, if, if, if Christ purchased the church with his own blood and felt it that a value and that love for it to say that uh, the church is not important... It's blasphemy against the Father and the Son because the Father gave the Son to be redemption for us and now the Son shed His blood to purchase. He said, feed the church of God which He has purchased with His own blood. To say that the church is not important is to say, Lord, you, you was foolish for doing that. So certainly He wasn't foolish so if we, if that is true, we know that is true. The church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood, doesn't that put an importance, doesn't that put a value on it for you to, to see that that's what he has done? Uh, it says... In the scripture, that he appoints the bounds of our habitation. Uh, 
physically, he has appointed where you physically live today. You may physically live somewhere else next year. But he appoints the balance of our habitation. But it doesn't stop with just our physical location. I believe as far as the church. He is appointed the bounds of your habitation. He is appointed for you to be in a particular body at this particular time. And not only that, he has appointed your position in that body. And that may change. And you may say, well, my position in the body is not very important. Well, we're going to show that is not true. But, but as far as him appointing the bounds of our habitation, let's turn to Luke uh, chapter 10. Uh, familiar scripture to you, Luke chapter 10. And uh, Luke 10, let's start in verse 30. And Jesus, and Jesus answering, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his raiment. No covering. And we won't, we won't give this uh, uh, parable the justice it deserves. We'll try to get our point out of it. But anyway, he was stripped of his covering. What is our covering? Well, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our covering. But this was stripped away from him, at least in his mind. He no longer saw Jesus as his covering. So it's a stripped away. We see, we see many that way. And we were that way. Once believed it was up to us and our, and our physical righteousness and so forth. So we were in that same condition. Okay. Uh, and Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And uh, the priest, of course, was the tribe of Levi and so forth, and the law and everything and religion. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. No help. And likewise, a Levite, who was of the priesthood, the literal priesthood. And likewise, a Levite, uh, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So the things of the letter of the law of Moses, which the Levites and the priest represented, was no help for him. In fact, sometimes that would be part of the cause. Stripped him of his raiment. Uh, and then in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan. Now, Samaritan from Samaria... Uh, was not looked upon as uh, a good group of people. Uh, Samaria was, you know, of course Israel was, was in, seemed like always, uh, people ruling over them. And uh, the, the ones ruling over them in Samaria, they was having troubles and things like that. And they said, well, take some of the priests and, and some of the Israelites and Put them in Samaria and let them mix with our people and everything and see if things don't smooth down. So then they were looked on after this and there was mixing and marriage and everything. And they were looked on as the lowest of people, half-breeds and so forth like that. That's how they were viewed. 
so that it says, but a certain Samaritan, when he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him upon his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he transported him to an inn, to a particular place. Do you think, well, we know it's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think in appointing the bounds of your habitation that he would take his sheep to an inn where they wouldn't be cared for, where their raiment would continue to be stripped away from them? All the way to heaven or your righteousness depends on what you do or don't do. He wouldn't take his sheep to that type of an inn or body. It says, and took care of him. 35, and on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave it to them, uh, to the host, and said unto them, take care of him. And whatever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Now, so he took him to one of his own inns. And I've told you before some bad experiences at some hotels and things. But the Lord's not going to take his sheep to an inn where his sheep would not be taken care of. He wouldn't take his elect sheep, or the elect within the elect, I'll say that. Or let me just go one step farther. The elect within the elect within the elect. We've talked about that. He would not take them to an inn where things wouldn't be furnished for them. He wouldn't take them to an inn where their raiment would be stripped away, where they wouldn't have any covering. He would take them to an inn where they would be supplied with a garment. It wouldn't be a mixed garment. It would be the blood of Jesus Christ for the covering. That's where he takes his sheep. But he appoints the bounds of the habitation. So uh, that's what he has done as he leads his sheep to different places. Uh, so he, uh, let me just throw this in there as well. So in this inn where he takes them, this one comes in, he's been naked and sick and so forth, and the Lord poured in oil and clothed him and all these things, so there he is. So he's taken to this inn to where they would take care of him. This doesn't show this part in this particular place, but in time, you know what happens? This one that was taken in like this, first thing you know, He's strengthened because his needs are supplied. He's strengthened. And the first thing you know, he or she or they are ones that have a position in his body that they're helping other ones that comes in that have been stripped of their raiment that was sick and so forth. So our positions, whether it be a position with a name or not, but even in the Lord's body at the end, our positions change somewhat. Again, don't have to have a title. It just does. I remember uh, years ago, and uh, I would come and just 
to hear the truth and it's just blessed and just soaking it all up and everything. But then there comes a point in time when you start thinking of others. And this is all the Lord's will, of course. Uh, so it takes us to a body. It points the bounds of our habitation. Let's go to Acts chapter 8 uh, quickly. And verse 26. So we're going to read about Philip and, and the Ethiopian here. And uh, the bounds of the habitation of this Ethiopian was certainly uh, uh, appointed by the Lord. So in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. And an angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, go towards the south unto uh, the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Those two names have been familiar in our news recently, Gaza and, and Jerusalem. And he rose and went, and behold, so here's our Lord is sending Philip to a particular place, a particular way. And we'll see there's a particular one, a particular sheep there. He's not going to be left without raiment and so forth. Uh, 27, he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, at this time, coming to Jerusalem to worship, how would they be worshiping? How would he be coming to worship? To Jerusalem. The letter of the law, the sacrifices, and so forth. Uh, but there was, well, verse 28. Was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran there to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? So he was going to worship at Jerusalem. You know what they were teaching. And he said, How can I accept as some man should guide me? And he besought Philip. He besought Philip who was led by the Holy Spirit and sent by the Holy Spirit, right? And he besought Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken, uh, taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? So he's reading from the scriptures. We know where he's going to worship. We know what they were teaching as he would go there. Then Philip, of course, not by accident. Philip's uh, bounds of habitation was appointed. So was this eunuch. Then Philip, of course, who was led by the Holy Spirit, opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. 
as the Lord brings individuals into your life or you into their life or there's a, a meeting of some type as there was here. What do you preach to them? Jesus. Had he went to Jerusalem, he was expecting to be taught about a covering. But what he would have taught him there was, well, you can't have a mixed garment. You can't wear wool and linen. What they would have taught him there was now on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, the seventh day of the week, you can only walk so far. These are things he would have been taught and was expecting and was looking that. But instead, the Lord sent Philip and their paths connected and he was preached Jesus Christ. So, we can look and certainly look to the Old Testament law. In the Old Testament law, you were not to defile the Sabbath. But we preach Jesus from that, that he is our Sabbath. He is our rest. He is our peace. That's how we preach Jesus. We read about you not to have a mixed garment. You preach Jesus from that, not the label on the back of your garment. You preach Jesus. He is our covering. And you don't mix that. So he was preached unto him, Jesus. In verse 36, as they went on their way, and I, I'm going to stop here a minute. Can't you imagine how delighted that the eunuch was? And yes, I can imagine. You can too, because I used to look to this. I used to look to the law. And then the Lord brought me to an end. I was taught Jesus. And we looked at Jesus. And what a blessing that is. So now this eunuch. Just imagine his emotions and his feelings. Seeing Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In verse 36 uh, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, we don't have the full conversation of what Philip taught the eunuch. Don't know how long it was. I would say it was a lot. But teaching him Jesus Christ and so forth. And in verse 37... Uh, he, he, or verse 36, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And to say Jesus Christ is not just a man called Jesus. This was the anointed one sent by God to redeem us. So he said, I believe that Jesus the Christ is from God. A lot of them thought he's Beelzebub and all that. So 
uh, after we see that he believed that, verse 38. Now, he believed that before. He was called to believe that. And he commanded that the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. We read the parable of the uh, Samaritan. Here he was, stripped of his raiment. He didn't see any covering. And the Samaritan, who is a lord, bound him up, put him on his beast. I say, a form of transportation. Transported him to an inn, to his body, to one of his churches. And there he was taken care of. And that's the same thing here with a eunuch. And he was baptized. He saw the need to be baptized, and that's what Philip told him. And, and along with that, Galatians 3.27, uh, we quote that a lot, but I, actually I like looking at sometimes. A lot, actually. Galatians 3 and 27 For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We've studied in this, this series, the church is the body of Christ. Well, how do we, what's our entrance into the body of Christ? Well, the Lord has ordained it that it would be by water baptism, by scripture baptism. He could have done it however he wanted, but this is the scriptures we see that he has appointed as he appoints the bounds uh, of our habitation. Uh, so now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is where we kind of left off with. We had went through a portion of that, but let's go through that again. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll... Go through this as well. Uh, and let's start verse 8. And I'll probably have to rush through this a little bit. For to one, well, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. For to one is given, and was the reason we're reading this here, let me go ahead. The reason we're reading this in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians is to show it is one body, a particular body. There are different bodies of Christ that was passed down, just like there's different generations uh, that I can go back to in my family, different generations, and I can go back to those. Well, the church is, is the same way, from one church to another church, and, the, and it's Holy Spirit, that's how the comforter, that's how it's given. But as we read this, my purpose in this, reading this portion of the Scripture is to show the one body, the oneness, the body. And uh, it's, it's very enlightening. So let's, let me start again. Uh, and, and it does show, think of the poem, No Man is an Island. If we lose a clod of dirt, that island is, has a loss. And another clod of dirt has a loss. So we as a body, we're not... I'm not a singular thing, I'm part of a body. And uh, 
And it's okay to think of our physical bodies, which we should. But uh, we, we think of that, our own physical bodies, and we have different issues with it and everything. But the way we don't think about it, think, well, okay, we lose a member, then our body's not full. Well, no, he has, uh, he has taken care of, in other words, at the end, everything will be there. Okay. Uh, and, well, something else. I may get to read it. Well, actually, we're out of time already. Uh, as we read this, it talks about the foot and the eye and the ear and, and so forth and so on. Don't try to place, well, this person is, is a foot, and I think this person is probably a toe, and this person is the hand, and this person... That, that's not what it's teaching or, or wanting to teach us. Is teaching the oneness of a body. It takes all the parts of a body to, to function. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to stop here. We're not, we're, Lord willing, we'll get into it next week. But each member of that body that the Lord has appointed to bound to the habitation to that particular end, to that body, and your position in that body, which may change somewhat. But the Lord has appointed that, and each and every one is equally important. I think people don't believe that or don't believe that I believe that. But the scripture shows us that, uh, and maybe I'll jump ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll come back next week and pick this up again. Uh, let me read... Verse 22 and 23, and like I said, we'll come back and pick this up again next week. But it says, uh, yeah, 21 maybe. <laughs> and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And, uh, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. So the uncomely parts, and the comeliness is talking kind of about beauty and things like that, are uncomely parts in actuality, have more abundant comeliness. Uncomely parts really more beautiful than the, than the comely. And then there's a lot in this. I just want us to see that every member of this body is important and valuable. Let me have... <laughs> this pops in my mind often. I don't know why. But far as... The uncomely parts. So as we look at a body, a, a physical body, you know, what's the comely parts? What's the uncomely parts? Uh, <coughs> again, I don't know why this pops in my mind. I was probably about six years old. And uh, out the old building out of Arabia, and I was sitting actually right where Linda is with mom and and. Uh, and Eddie, and this was about the time, I'm not sure if Linda was uh, born yet or not. And Dad was sitting over here about where Clara May is. But anyway, so I had my pencil and paper, and I was drawing. 
and uh, not nearly as good as what uh, Emma does. She's, uh, she's amazing. So anyway, I was drawing, and I drew this. Uh, I was kind of drawing a man. I didn't know where I was going with this, so I was drawing a man. And then I, uh, I drew this porthole kind of, and I drew his guts, <laughs> which we think of as uncomely part, don't we? And then uh, I kept on, first thing you know, I had horns on this man. Mom right there pinched me and, and everything to stop that. But anyway, so I had these, what would look like as uncomely parts or guts. Now, uh, I've gone to a doctor a couple times, and uh, I forget what they call them, but she, uh, she believes, one thing she says is, we've got to get your gut working right. This is very important, very valuable. Well, no, my fingers, my hands are more valuable. Without your gut working right, none of this does. Uh, there's a cow that they, uh, I'd heard about, and I saw it on Dirty Jobs, and they've got a window uh, in the side of the cow. It's, I think it's brass or stainless, about that big around, and you can see down in the cow's stomach. You can open it up and stick your hand down in there. And you say, oh, that's the uncomely parts. Without that stomach, without the intestines, what good is the heart or the ears or the eyes or anything else? So as we look at a body of Christ, we may look at some, oh, that's not an important part. That is not true. Well, they're weak and feeble, you might say. Or we might even point, oh, that one's weak and, and that one's feeble. Well, how could they possibly be important? It could be a lot of reasons. One reason might be, are you praying for that person? Am I praying for that person? After all, it's part of what? Part of the body. There, there's times in my physical body, well, actually a lot, uh, there were times when my vocal cords had to have two surgeries on them. So then I was, my brain was supposed to be taught a way that I could talk with a cushion of air between my vocal cords, which I don't follow anymore. I had a uh, tennis elbow on my right hand, and it was so bad I couldn't push a button down on my shaving cream. I mean, it was that bad. And you think, well, how can that be? And I didn't know. And the doctor said, well, start using your left hand more. So it's part of my body. So that's what I did. What happened? Well, I started getting tennis elbow in my left hand. So sometimes we're not always completely happy, but it's our body, and we do what we can. If, if uh, well, I think you, you get what I'm saying, but if it's our body, the rest of the body tries to compensate, to try to help. We don't just automatically cut it out. So... To each and every part of this body, whether you, whether you consider them comely or not, whether I consider them comely or not, whether I consider them feeble or weak or not, they're valuable. And again, if one is weak and so forth, it could be a trying and testing for you or for me. But don't say it's not important. Don't not pray for them. That's what teaching in the body and love is. And again, I'm sorry we didn't get to it. We, we will just try to get to it next week. But I want us to see 
of the body, the oneness of the body, and the love. And we'll, yeah, we'll go into the chapter that follows chapter 12 of chapter 13, which talks about love. And that's no accident, the uh, order that that comes in. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed. <laughs>